Hello and welcome to another Perusia podcast. I'm Shabal Reish, your host, and we have a very special episode today. Um, we might find it hard to forgive the, our enemies. Jesus actually calls us to forgive our enemies. But what happens when we're called to do something really radical like that to some of the most difficult situations in our lives? Many, many have accused the church, and rightly so, of, of not doing enough in the, in the abuse scandals around, around the world. Um, but we're going to have a very uh, moving story here, a story of forgiveness, of healing. And it's none other than the author of a brand new book we're releasing called uh, As We Forgive Those. And it's by Joanna Dimity. And she joins me live in the studio. Hello, Joanna. How are you? Very well, thanks. Lovely to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, you've uh, um, been with us. I, I want to congratulate you uh, in many ways on, on making this decision. This is a very difficult one, but you've put to paper, uh, pen to paper, about your life story. And we're going to uh, unpack your life. And, but, you know, it can be a very difficult topic for people to talk about, mm -hmm. to even listen to. Um, but, you, you know, this is your life. You've gone through it. And, and your faith was tested, but here you are on the other side of it, and your faith is stronger than anyone I've met. Um, and so I'm really excited for you to share that with the world. So thank you for, for being open to doing this. Mm. So pleased I can. Um, can. Can I start uh, from the beginning, I guess, we might go through a bit of your upbringing. You, you grew up, uh, as chapter one in the book talks about, growing up in the 60s. So. Can you tell us a bit about your upbringing and, and, sure. and what that was like? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I was the youngest of three girls in our family. We were a practicing Catholic family, which was wonderful. And uh, faith was a big thing in our household. You know, when we were little, uh, we used to say the rosary together. Oh, I lovely, lovely memories, memories of that. And um, always attended Mass on Sundays. That was just something we always did. Um, and yeah, so... Um, yeah, it was it was it was a um, good good family life. Yes, I remember um, growing up as well. Yeah, the rosary was a foundational part of our upbringing mm. every day, and then going mm. to mass in the early years. That's uh, right. Now you did. Um, wh whereabouts uh, wh were you growing up? Um, can you share a bit about? Um, yeah, I guess your faith as a family. You were like that right through your teenage years. What was it like? Um, yeah, growing um, up in that that, that part. Yeah, well, as a little child, um, I can remember having strong faith, like knowing God. It was like quite remarkable, really. My, my father was a great lover of Mary Alanza, and he used to play his records all the time. And one that he used to play often was I'll Walk With God. Uh -huh. And I can remember that that song deeply touched me as a very young child, uh, really spoke to me that God was ever present and, you know, that, that he... Um, he will not fail me as long as my faith is strong, whatever road I may walk along. So, uh, yeah, and so that was always like, that was uh, a part of the, I guess you could say the foundation of my faith, um, that strong faith of my, of my parents. My mother and I, every night, would say prayers together. Wow. And uh, that list of prayers got longer and longer the older I got. <laughs> so that was really special, really special to have prayer time with my mother every night. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then as a teenager, um, that faith continued to stay strong. I went to a Catholic school. I had the nuns teaching us. Okay. And uh, yeah, of course, it was pretty turbulent times, I guess. You know, you've got um, Second Vatican Council happening around that time. Yeah. Changes in the church. Yeah. Uh, the nuns changing their names and taking off their habits and that sort of thing. Oh, wow. So, 
Yeah, it was a turbulent time, but um, it didn't seem to really uh, affect my journey with, with God. You know, my faith was still there. So okay. that was good. Oh, yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, seeing the church through that and, and for your faith to stay strong, especially in that turbulent time. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't able to experience that, but I'm, I can only uh, read by other people's experience or talk to others who have lived through that time. Mm. And yeah, it was very different for many people. But w tell us then, um, y yeah, y were you at the, the consistently at the same um, parish uh, when you went to Mass on Sunday? And, and, and as with your experience on Sundays, uh, your relationship there with the parish community, um, did that change, especially during this time mm. b before and after the council? Yeah, um, <clears throat> my father um, moved around a lot with his work, so we didn't have like that strong parish space. Um, so I can't remember that there was that sort of parish relationship in it because we seemed to go to different places yeah. a lot. Yeah. But one place that I did love to go um, was the um, a, a monastery, Redemptress Monastery on a Saturday afternoon of Our Lady of Perpetual Succor. And that, that was really special, that really touched me. And of course we'd have um, prayers, uh, time of um, petitions, and I'd always think of things to pray for, you know, help me in my exams and, <laughs> you know, this sort of thing. So yes, I think that probably um, was one that I remember as a place of significance rather than actually the parish because we moved around a lot. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, so, so can we, we talk about then, um, then you, you, your relationship with the different priests uh, when you saw as you were growing older um, and, and, and tell us, I guess, because you weren't at one place for such a long time, I mean, what was that like? Um, were you, did you stay in touch with many of these uh, priests uh, and, and parish communities? as you were moving around? Were you still in touch with people from the parish or uh, did, did you keep connected with these people or even the priest? No, no, no. no. Sort of I, I, guess, um, I guess the priest to me was sort of like that authority figure up there. Mm. They, mm. Um, we didn't have any close relationships with any priests. Okay. Um, so yeah, I just sort of had them at a bit of a distance, I guess, you know, and they were, they were the, um, the priest, you know, they, yeah. Yeah, almost untouchable, you know, because yeah. they were the holy ones. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the, yeah, that's right. The perception that we, we are given or, or we have. Mm. Um, so, And it yeah. was during that time, of course, that the Mass changed from Latin to English. So yeah, there was a distance because of the Latin Mass. You know, the priest had his back to you when he said Mass and that sort of thing. So there wasn't that Was it fairly closeness. instant? Was it like uh, the transition I was... Because I've never lived through that time, but what I was always curious was it almost like um, an overnight type thing, you know, or, or <laughs> was it a transition slowly? Do you remember I, that time? I, I don't really remember, but from but I think it was like we will do it by this date. So all so the altars okay. had to be turned around, wow. you know, and often they had realistically because the altars were way up on the yeah. end facing the wall, they had to literally build a new altar. Yes. So I guess they had to have time to get all that ready and that sort of thing. I can't remember the logistics no, of no. it, but yeah, it was a big, big change, you yeah. know, a massive change in the church. Yes. Wow, wow. Mm. Can we now, you know, we're here for this reason. I want to talk about then, um, yeah, it wasn't all smooth sailing, your experience in the church, and that's what we're here to discuss. Mm. Um, you know, there were, 
it was an incident and then that, do you want to unpack on that really changed or, or I guess uh, shocked your world um, if you like or turned your world upside down but do you want to tell us about about um, that time um, w yeah with with what happened your experience in the church when when things did I guess turn downhill in your experience with the church mm -hmm. Would you? yeah I guess um, you know I would say that I had ultimate respect for yeah. priests like I had yeah. them on a high pedestal yes and um, we used to go to a younger set dance, which was quite lovely, uh, very well supervised and everything. And, um, and there was a priest who was often there. And um, this particular night, he was very, very popular priest. You know, everyone seemed to love him. Um, we decided to go and have coffee after the dance. And uh, we did that. And then we were discussing how we were going to get home. And um, I live quite nearby and uh, my father would have come and got me, you know. But anyway, um, the priest happened to find out that I lived in that particular place. And he said, oh, I'm, I live there, I can give you a lift. And of course, you know, as a 16 year old teenager, I didn't feel any fear or any trepidation. I wasn't thinking I shouldn't do that or anything. I was yeah, quite confident. Yeah to go with the priest. In fact, I thought, oh, this is special. Yes. Um, so then uh, once I got in the car, um, he, he started to say th that he wanted to take me to the presbytery, to show me the presbytery. And um, I kept saying, no, I wanted to go straight home. Um, several, I suppose two or three times um, I said, no, no, I want to go home, take me home. Um, and because I had been upset at the dance for some reason, I just wanted to get home. And anyway, despite the fact that I kept saying I wanted to go home, he actually went to the presbytery against, your wishes, against my wishes. And then um, said to me, come, come in. So I want to show you the place, a beautiful old building. You, you love it. You know, I'd love to show it to you. And I, I, I really didn't want something inside me was sort of saying this isn't right you know but mm -hmm. I thought what am I worried about he's the priest like why would I be concerned to go mm -hmm. with him so I went with him and um, yeah I guess I could say that's when my life changed forever um, yeah. and um, yeah so um, yeah, he, he kept telling me how beautiful I was and each time he'd say it, I'd, I was filled with more fear and, um, and disbelief of what was going on, you know, and there was basically no escape. And um, then um, he then uh, sexually abused me and um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you can't move, like, uh, you're frozen, like you're just frozen in time. Um, yeah. You're powerless, totally powerless, you know, and um, yeah, totally overwhelmed. And I just wanted to die, basically. I didn't want to exist. You just want to shrivel down to nothingness. You just don't want to even exist. And um, uh, suddenly I sort of got from somewhere this ability uh, to run to the door and just say, and just, I don't know where that came from, just an inner strength that I got from somewhere and I'm probably from my saviour. Yes. Um, 
And I just said, take me home, take me home. And I was starting to open the door. I thought, I'll just get out of here. Like, I'll just escape anyway. Then he got very angry with me, which was damaging in itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And took me home. And, um, yeah. Um, That's it, all happened in the, in, I mean, was it fairly quickly, uh, this whole episode? He took you down and, and this all happened almost as soon as you, within minutes of getting there? And yeah, in, in, yeah, within minutes, yeah, within minutes of getting there, yeah. And, and then he was able, to, you, he drove you home? He drove me home um, and the next memory that I have, because I think I was just completely in shock. Yeah, of course. Totally in shock and um, was, and I talk about this in the book, was I remember distinctly being in the bathroom my parents were already in bed, so they were totally unaware what was going on. And um, looking in the mirror and, you know, obviously sobbing. I'd been crying and crying the whole time I was crying. The whole time I was in the presbytery, I was crying. And looking in the mirror, tears and, you know, blotchy. And looking in the mirror and thinking, I'm not beautiful. I'm so ugly and just... And, you know, that denial and just hating myself, hating myself. Because unfortunately, in situations like this, there's an element of blame, you know, that what did I do, you know? And just said, I hate myself, I hate myself. And just, yeah, I just can't explain how um, deep that despair was that I felt at that time. And, um, yeah, and then... Just, I didn't sleep. I just think I cried all night realistically on and off and then came to the decision by morning that I wouldn't tell a soul. Wow. Because That's I thought amazing. if I ever tell anybody, they won't believe me, they'll believe the priest and my life will be ruined. So I thought I'm just gonna bury it as deep as I possibly can. I'll put up a big wall, I want it never to come out again and nobody will ever know that this happened. And um, that's what I did. I just buried it, you know, because it was just too risky to admit to anybody that he'd done that to me because um, I knew that he would deny it, you know, and blame me, so. He was a popular priest He was a popular priest, that's yeah. right. He was <laughs> a popular priest, so, so for all those years, yeah. Um, how long did you uh, bury it for? Uh, it was over 40 years. Over 40, 40 years. years. And um, it was interesting, you know, I always say God's timing is perfect, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> and, um, and there's no coincidences in God when things happen. And um, we had a, um, a school reunion of my school friends. I had beautiful school friends. I didn't mention that before. Okay. We were very close. And being the first year of um, the Wyndham scheme, you know, there was a lot of challenges, a lot of hassle. So we were very close. What is that? Uh, for those oh, the Wyndham scheme was when high school went from five years to six years in New okay. South Wales. So okay. we were the very first year. So yeah, wow. Okay. It, it was, the school system was pretty much in turmoil that year we did our, uh, what they now call year 12, we called it sixth form. Um, so we were very close, we're very close friends and we stayed in contact, which was really beautiful. And so about, yeah, what was it, 2012, I think it was, something like that. Um, 
we had a reunion and I think it was, I say in the book, um, and um, we'd, we'd been out to dinner, we'd had a beautiful night and we laugh and laugh and laugh about everything, you know, about the past and all the funny things that happened to us. And, and we'd had a few, few wines and we started talking about um, the sexual abuse in the church and the terrible things that were happening. And, and all of a sudden there was a lull and I just blurted out what happened to me. Wow. And um, they couldn't believe it. Like they were stunned because they couldn't believe that I never told them. Yeah, they said, you never told us, you never told us, you know. I thought I couldn't tell anybody, nobody, not even my parents. I just carried that shame so deep, that, that betrayal that I couldn't share it with anybody. And um, they were just stunned. And then they told me that, um, that the priest was now deceased. So in a way that was a relief for me because I, I never would, I don't think I could ever have faced him, you know. I don't think I, my f emotional strength was... Did, did you see him soon after the incident? No, you and know, funnily you enough, I never saw that. him again. And I okay, don't know how that happened, but it was almost like I was being protected. Mm, I mm. never saw him again. He might have been avoiding me, sure, of course. Yeah he might have been avoiding situations where I might have been there for fear that I would say something. Yes. yes. Um, so anyway, so I told my friends and um, one, of, one of the girl's husbands worked for the, um, the uh, Catholic Education Office or for the diocese or something. And it came up uh, in conversation and about something else and he happened to say, but, it, you know, that they should contact me because I had an incident happen to me. And then, so word got out very quickly once I'd revealed it. Yes, yeah. So um, it was, I mean, it was such a unbelievably tumultuous time back when it happened. But it was also a tumultuous time when I revealed it because all that, hurt that I'd buried for so long it was like it was all coming up you know yeah, so so that that was difficult in itself and um yeah so funnily enough um they said well they contacted towards healing which was already um established and it happened to be a priest that contacted me and uh I knew him um and um he, he was devastated and apologised and all that and said, well, you know, do you want to do anything? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, sometimes people want to go back to the place or whatever. I said, no, no, I don't want to do anything. But then after a little while, I thought, I just want to go to the gravesite and tell him off. Like, how dare he do that to me? You know, because I was very innocent. We were <laughs> coming from a family of three girls, right? Going to a Catholic school, I was totally and utterly innocent, like, you know. And I just wanted to abuse him and, and, and say, how dare you take that innocence from me? You know, how dare you hurt me the way you did? And uh, so I said, yeah, I want to go to his grave. And um, so by this time, also just digressing a little, um, I had had a, a renewal in my faith journey. So I'd had uh, a renewal and, a, and coming into uh, a personal relationship with Jesus, which was a beautiful place to be. Was that years after? So that was so that happened uh, when I was 
35, so that's about 16, 17 years later. What was your faith? So did, were you going back to church during that, I, as a 16-year-old? Yeah, did you I, keep, uh, how yes, did you see, do because my parents didn't know, right, I kept practicing with my parents. So that was yeah. just a, every Sunday we would just go to Mass, you know, so none of that changed. Yeah. And then... What was your relationship with God? Did, did your faith, you know, did take a hit? Was there, you know, did, was there moments of doubt or you? I guess, I guess I buried all that along with everything else. So I was going through the motions of my faith, you know, I was going through the ritual of my faith. And um, yeah, so uh, it was there, but it wasn't very strong, excuse me. <laughs> um, it wasn't very strong. Um, and so, but then when I was 35, um, I was able to come into a meaningful relationship with Jesus, which completely changed my life forever, you know. Can you share us what happened faith. there? What, 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 was it at a moment? Uh, or was it a, can you pinpoint uh, yeah, it was, the day? Um, yeah, like a, a lot of Catholics sort of just going along to mass, you yeah. know, and every Sunday and yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, then there was a big Marian conference and my neighbors, um, daughter-in-law was traveling down from Darwin to go to it and she, and she wanted my friend to go with her and um, I said and the friend said well if I'm going you're coming with me so <laughs> we went along to this Marian conference it was really very lovely and but then this priest said something he was an elderly man he said it's good to have Mary but you need the Holy Spirit and he invited us to come along to um, a Sunday night mass which was what they might term as charismatic, okay. right? So really just meaning open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Still very Catholic, of course. And so I went and funnily enough, the only way I can describe it at that moment is that I felt home. And I'd been to so many churches over the years, you know, parish jumping and all that. And I walked in there, sat down, mass started, and I, the deepest sense was I am home this is it, this is where I'm meant to be. And uh, then I did what was called a Life in the Spirit seminar yeah. and uh, got um, prayed with for baptism in the Holy Spirit. But a significant thing happened during that in that um, when the talk was happening about God's love, right? So they're giving the talk about God's love. It was like, and I realise now, at the time I didn't think it was a miracle, but I realise now it was obviously miraculous. But at that moment, I knew without doubt that I was intimately and personally loved by Jesus. It was a profound experience of God's love. It was like a welling up within me, that God loved me. To tell you the truth, I want to jump up and shout, God loves me. Yeah. Like it was just this revelation, this realisation and then um, receiving the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, so from that moment on, of course, your whole life changes. You're never the same again because you know Jesus. He's not just this person up in your head out there in the atmosphere somewhere. He's actually in your heart. And that, that changed me, right? So, so married, uh, children, uh, what was life like? Yeah, um, I, yeah. Was, I was married. I had three wonderful sons, oh, three right, beautiful, beautiful sons, which um, I'll be forever grateful. And um, of my beautiful boys and a, support, a supportive husband, which was great. And uh, yeah, and so, yeah, so they were also supportive when they found out about 
this because um, that was also lovely to have that support from them, particularly yeah. my husband. Were they shocked to oh. hear? I mean, what was it? Oh, because horrific. I imagine you reliving mm. all this. 40 years later and now having to tell this with the people you're closest to. Yeah, I know. Friends, they, family. Um, they couldn't believe like? it. I, I mean, yeah, they were, they were totally shocked. And um, because I'd been through a lot of healing, um, I guess there was also a doubt in their mind as to how come I'm still practicing my faith? How come yeah. you've done this, mum? You know, how come you still love God. So there's a lot of questions. That's an know? interesting point. And I'd like to unpack that because that's a mm. very common understanding. People go there right away. I mean, how do you, one of the common objections to the church is if, if, if this is happening and we're knowing about many stories, unfortunately, mm. of, of, of abuse, but because of that abuse and the widespread abuse, therefore, how do you trust the church? Therefore, how can you even trust the faith itself and what's being taught and so people have this and rightly so is mm. anger um, not only to the leadership of the church but then the whole concept of of what it stands for to begin with so then that, right. you start yeah. doubting is this even real and, and so yeah that's so, right well i guess test of faith that's right and i guess i just backtrack a little because um you know i was saying how um I wanted to go to the grave and I wanted yes. to tell Event him off. Eventually. So, yeah, so what happened was I was praying about, meditating really about that and praying and thinking about, well, what am I going to say when I get to the grave, you know, and and really just, I guess, contemplating it. And I, I suddenly had this image in my mind of the crucifixion. Mm. And I'm just like, why, why am I seeing the crucifixion? And I... And I'm, and I'm just in that spot with Jesus on the cross. And I heard him say those words, um, Father, forgive them. And um, I, just, I just knew that I had to forgive. I just knew at that moment that I had to forgive. Um, I couldn't continue to be the person I was unless I was able to forgive. This and is 40 years later. 40 years later. And um, so I went to the grave and uh, I did tell him off. And then I said to him, I said to the grave, <laughs> um, you know, that, you know, I was so angry and you, know, you had no right and all that. And then I said, but I want you to know that I forgive you. And, um, and I said to Jesus, if you're holding him out of heaven because of this, Lord Jesus, take him now into heaven. And um, yeah, and I was just able to, to let it go and just forgive. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's incredibly difficult. However, of course, we know and what we're learning here is the power of our faith here. But mm. what, was th what was that like once you made that statement to, to Jesus himself? Let, let him into heaven, but then I forgive. Was there like this weight come off your shoulders? Yeah, what was, it was, was it was there a, something overcome it was, you? It was very emotional. Obviously, I was crying, but yes. it was. I did feel this great relief. Um, we had planned to um, a little ceremony, you might say, at the grave. So um, I'd I'd made a little flag, 
prior to going there was 70 times 7 written on it. So mm. how many times does Jesus, I guess that's what yeah. came to me as well after yeah. I had the, the image of Jesus on the cross, that scripture, you know, how many times do we need to forgive? And Jesus saying to Peter, you know, 70 times 7 or 77 times 7, whichever translation you look at. Yeah. And, I, and, and just knowing that. So when I was contemplating going to his grave, I just made a little simple little flag with 70 times 7 written on it. And then after we'd, <clears throat> after I'd said those words, I placed the flag. There was a lovely little bunch of flowers there. I just stuck the flag in it. And then wow. I'd written down all the negative aspects, you know, the hurt, the pain, the shame, all these things and negative things that I felt I'd endured because of it on a piece of paper. And we proceeded to um, rip it into little pieces and burn it. So that was a really significant thing too. And then we had, um, he gave me the anointing of the sick, which was lovely. Oh, wow. I'd asked for that, if we yeah. could have that there. And then he, he, the priest had also said to me that he wants to do a communion service there at the site as well. So as he was saying, the Our Father, I just, when we got to that part, forgive us our trespasses, I, came, you know, I was just sobbing and I realised, because my husband was there, the impact that it had on our marriage. And I, I just... Um, fell into his arms sobbing and asked him to forgive me for all those things that the impact, you know, how it had right. affected me. And um, yeah, so that was that was really, really significant because you're letting go. It's almost like, yeah, it's like um, letting go. You know, it's like if there's a, a log jam in a river, you know, and it's all held up behind then suddenly it's just all gone. And it's a bit like that. It's just sort yeah, of a letting go, a release. Yeah, it's sort of a release. And it's almost giving you a freedom after that. It's almost an inner freedom, you know. Incredible. And this is your family was sharing in that, uh, in the, the in ceremony that was happening there uh, in this time. Yeah, it was really special. My husband was with me. Yeah, I was really, really, really pleased about that. Yeah, yeah. So then you're asking about the church, you know, how, so I kept practicing obviously through all this and it was really the support that I got around me from the church, which was giving me the strength to keep going and the, and the strength to, uh, because obviously, as I was saying, it's like the logjam, there's a floodgates open of tears. And I'd often be sitting in the church. We had a Friday night healing mass. Okay. And um, after at the end of the mass, we'd expose the blessed sacrament and just have a quiet time and with prayer. And, um, and often the priest would just be, he was actually a pianist, very beautiful uh, pianist. And he would be playing the organ and, um, maybe singing some songs and music is, I guess, part of my prayer language in that I just would sob and so I would just sit there sobbing, just letting this pain out, you know? And it was such a, I guess you could say a cathartic time, but a freeing time. Like I, I needed to go through that. I needed yeah. to release all that hurt and pain that was so, so deep within that has to come out. Absolutely. And uh, it was probably a year later and um, it was actually Pentecost Sunday. So I think that was a very significant date. And uh, we gathered around the altar. We must have had something like an altar call of some description. So we just gathered around the altar and I was kneeling down and it happened that I just happened to be nearly next to the priest. And suddenly I felt this like, oh, it's hard to describe, like a, a volcano erupting within me. Just this, something was just erupting. And I thought, what on earth is going on? What am I feeling? 
Was, it a, was it a terrible feeling or a good feeling? No, it wasn't a good feeling. It was, it was a terrible was ter feeling. Okay. It was a horrible feeling. I thought, what is this? It was something ugly that I could feel. And suddenly I realised that it was anger at the church mm -hmm. that I'd held inside all those years. And I thought, oh, what am I going to do with this? You know, I need to... It was just this anger came up. And, um, and so Mass finished and I just happened to see the parish priest and I went up to him and I said, could I have some time with you? And he just looked at me and said, you've got an hour and took me over to the side of the church, which was miraculous in itself because there were so many people around, so many people wanting his yes, attention. Yes. And here he was giving me an hour. And so I had to tell him everything. Like he knew nothing. He knew nothing of what had happened. And I'm like sobbing and sobbing with this poor priest. But all I can say, and I say it in the book, it was like he was literally Jesus' love to me. It was like I was sharing it with Jesus. He was just Jesus' love. That's the only way I can describe it. And, um, you know, after me sharing everything, he just, I just remember him saying, you know, those words, can you forgive the church? And through the tears, through the sobs, I said, yes. And um, uh, I've written some poetry and I think it's described yeah, in the beautifully book. in yeah, the book has poetry. And I think it's described beautifully in the poetry and that the sobbing was just there, but it subsided and then there was peace. So, you know, after the forgiveness comes the peace. And yes. that's the thing, you know, it's powerful? an inner peace. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, uh, Father at the time mentioned the church. Can you forgive the church? Because he's he's taking on the responsibility, I guess, or representing that, that priest 40, uh, over 40 years now, but um, at the time, 40, 41 years mm -hmm. before mm. what he did to you. Um, he's not just representing himself, he's representing the church the as a leader. The whole church. He and was so literally representing the whole church. He was the church, it's a silly thing to say, but it's like he was the church sitting there in front of me. And, and by him asking me, because other people, other priests along the way, I said the towards healing priest said, can you, you know, ask forgiveness and all that. But this was the moment, mm. this was the mm. crux of me really forgiving. Because as I said before, you know, God's timing is always perfect. Yes, yes. This was the perfect time. Interesting, it was Pentecost Sunday, you know, the birthday of the church. As Absolutely. They say. So, um, yeah, so that, that was really amazing. And as I said, it was a further release, another level of healing. And uh, Beautiful. I mean, it's, it's amazing that you, what's, what's inspiring for your story here is at this point, you could see through, you had this, this powerful moment with God, this, this encounter, and you knew, although that priest so long ago represented the church, it wasn't as though the whole entire church was guilty of that man's, mm. you know, sin mm. and, and so mm. that, that that's you know us, we do this a lot as, as humans don't we we, yeah. we tend to blanket we judge institutions and and on one on one side of the coin we, we understand why because leaders represent something larger than themselves mm. but on the mm. other side of the same coin it's sometimes it takes a long time but to realize step back it's that individual where we are really angry with and, mm. and, and what that individual's done. And therefore it's not fair on so the good ones. <laughs> I know. And there are so many, many good ones. So many good um, ones. But, but yeah, this, this sometimes put a black cloud, this can put a, a, a dark cloud on the whole entire church. And then, you know, when there's a small percentage of priests, but the large majority get the blame. Yeah. And so then there's this 
real difficult time. That's right. To, to so get there's through. there's that there's that crossover you see in, in your mind that that he represents the church. It's not just him doing this. It's the church doing yes. it to you, the mm. church that you have trusted. Yes. And have been that's faithful what makes it to. Hard. Yeah, that's right. And I guess that that's what it is. And so that was that was really significant. Um, then probably about um, another 18 months or so later, um, once again, I was at that Friday night healing mass, which mm. had been such a special place for me. Um, same church? Same church. Same, yep. Yes, I've been going there now for same church now. Didn't okay. have the same church when I was a child, but yeah. I certainly <laughs> do now. Um, the priest, as I said, he was a competent um, pianist and singer. And as part of his sermon, right, well, first, just let me digress a little. It was Lent and I, I had asked the Lord to draw me closer into relationship within him, you know, to get to know him better and that sort of thing. And, um, and then he started singing a song, um, uh, The Greatest Love of All. He actually sang it, mm. the chorus, The Greatest Love of All is deep, with, is deep within learning to love yourself. It is the greatest love of all. And as those words you know, were being sung by him, uh, what was echoing in my head was the words that I said in front of the mirror, I hate myself, right? And that just echoed and I thought, and then Father uh, went on to, in his sermon to say, often the hardest person to forgive is yourself. And I realised that this was the next journey that I was going to go through was forgiving self and uh, I mean you could say why do I have to forgive myself you know but as I said there's always an element of blame not always I can't say always but in your situation but in my situation but also in a lot of cases where Mm. there's abuse um, there's an element of blame and uh, yeah that's just the way it is and um, yeah and so I had to forgive myself so that was that was a beautiful that was a um, a journey once again that happened and uh, lots of steps happening like the the gospel the following Sunday uh, that was a Friday night so yep. then the Sunday the gospel was um, um, Lazarus Jesus oh, yes. raising Lazarus from the dead you know and as the priest was reading the gospel and he said you know Lazarus come forth unbind him let him go free it was like those words were being spoken to me because what happens is a part of you dies you know that part of you that you that part of you just dies it's like there's a death almost within and so what was happening was that that part of me was being brought back to life and unbind him you know it's just so significant you know because you're so bound up in the hurt and the shame and the pain to take those bandages off you know and yeah so was that fr- again another sense of freedom you know and you, totally, you know what was totally. it was it different to the the first experience of freedom yeah it was it was almost like you know if you think about um, an onion you've got all these beautiful layers you yeah. know the outside gets all yucky and peel it away and then lo and behold there's another beautiful layer mm. underneath and underneath it was like peeling away an extra layer an extra layer an extra layer you know and in each layer uh, really, uh, the love of God being revealed that little bit more to you. And, uh, you know, as we know in Ezekiel, it talks about, um, 
you know, I'll take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Yes. And I spoke about this recently and, uh, you know, I was saying, I was saying to the, the people I was speaking to, you know, like, uh, it might be a pebble or it might be a boulder, but whatever it is, whatever that hurt is, the Lord wants to give you a heart of flesh in that area that, that you will come more deeply and they linked it to Ephesians 3 that, that you'll come be planted in love and built on love so you'll no longer be planted in the hurt and the shame and the pain but you'll be planted in the love of God and that's what he's been doing you see all the way along he's just been planting me deeper and deeper into his love. Wow how long was that uh, process to get to forgive yourself so from the moment so you said 18 months? Um, yeah probably so um, the journey it, it took seven years Right. It's funny that it's seven. So from the, when you, were you with your friends at reunion? Yeah. That was 40 years after the incident? Oh, more than 40. 40. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember exactly, okay. about 46. Yeah. And then from that, that was the first time you went public. Mm. Mm. And you're saying seven years since? It was a seven year it. journey. Wow. Wow. And um, yeah, the ultimate, the seven years was up when... Um, and it's in the book I talk about it, when I was invited back to the diocese to meet with the bishop. And uh, that was, <laughs> was not easy to do because he no. represented that diocese. He represented yes. that priest, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like, I mean, it's, it's, realistically, it's nothing like meeting with him again, but in a way it is because he represents that diocese, you know, and... And uh, we talked for quite a long time, and it, I thought, and I kept thinking, he's not going to, he's not going to ask forgiveness. He's not going to, he's not going to apologise. It's not going to happen because he just wasn't, you know. I'd been there for over an hour, yeah. and he kept asking me questions, asking me questions, and then I thought, he's not, he's not going to apologise. You know, is what I'm thinking. Then he said, um, "Let's pray," and um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I. I I just put my hands out when I pray. So, you know, he said, let's pray. So I went like that. And he was just sitting exactly where you are. But he didn't, he didn't take my hand with his left hand. He took it with the right hand and he held my hand. Yeah. And, and then he, he asked forgiveness personally, right? But then he asked forgiveness on behalf of the diocese, on behalf of that priest, on behalf of the church. It was just... Oh, it was just incredible. After you wondering in your mind when this going to happen, and in prayer, here he goes. And it was wow. just, and then another he actually, powerful moment. Then he actually wrote it out. He sent it to me. He sent the apology to me in writing because he wanted me to have it in writing. I wanted it in writing, but yeah. he gave it to me in writing. And uh, and I hadn't realised the significance of his taking my right hand. But a couple of days later, the um, the first reading um, was from Isaiah. Um, 41, where it says, I will take you um, up with my right hand. Oh, and specifically I will right hand. Wow. Right hand. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Lord, I'm just like so emotional about it. So, yeah, so um, lots and lots of healing over many years, like seven, and it's still going on. I'm sure the Lord hasn't finished. It's now, um, it's now 10 years since uh, oh. I actually came out with my friends and told them what had happened. And here we it's are. It's 10 years. I imagine. That's significant, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so now we're right. about to do this. Yeah. The book is about to be released, or it is released. The, um, and, and we hope this, I mean, of course, this is probably going to resurface some of those feelings again. And, and mm. you know, you'll probably be asked many more questions now that this goes public on a wider scale. Um, and mm. I remember, you know, when you, 
approached me about this and the idea I thought it's powerful for people to hear that you never gave up although you had every right to you never gave up on the church yeah you 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 stayed and you you trusted even even though you had every right to to leave you had every right to mm. you know turn your back on it and and just go find another way but no you deep down you knew that um, that God God was working through this even through this this cross this suffering mm. but you are a new creation as as you as you've you've shared in our conversations and and how you've been able to forgive and the power of forgiveness and it seems to be something that that unless you can get to the point where you can forgive your enemies and even sometimes when you're challenged to do the most difficult mm. um, tragic uh, circumstances when you can forgive those the freedom yeah and I think that's what I wanted to really want to share with the world that that even yourself through this and and you're not alone I mean there are many others who have gone through different different uh, mm. uh, types of abuse but but the idea is that you stayed and you, you trusted in the Lord and now I'd love to get from you now for those people who um, and rightly so finding it very difficult to forgive mm. who have mm. been in this situation what message would you have for those who who don't want to believe in a God that allows this who don't want to believe in the church who has mm. failed them who don't mm. want to have anything to do with the Catholic Church right now do you have is there a message for them yeah um I'm often asked that question, you know, how can I be part of the Catholic Church mm. when it was the Catholic mm. priest who did this to you? And I guess um, what comes to mind is um, uh, in John 6 where Jesus uh, talks about, you know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you shall not have life. And, mm -hmm. and it says that so many people walked away. And I sort of can equate that to the whole sexual abuse scandal in the church because so many people walked yeah. away. And Jesus uh, looked at his disciples and said, you too, are you also going to go? Mm. And Peter says, um, to Lord, to who shall we go? Yeah. You have the words of eternal life. And, and I guess for me, that's it. Lord, to whom would I go? Like, you have the words of eternal life. For me, uh, my life in Jesus is all of me. It's who I am. You know, that's who I am. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'm now, like, I love the Eucharist. It's very special to me. Like, I go mostly to daily Eucharist. I wow, just love God. the Eucharist. And, um, and I would say those words, like, Lord, to whom would I go? You have the words of eternal life. Like, every time I receive you, I'm receiving your very body within me, you know. Yes. And I... I I couldn't walk away. Like the church is who I am. You know, I am um, Catholic, and on, I love it. I happened to be at um, on Pentecost Sunday. Interestingly enough, it was Pentecost Sunday again, 2017 in Rome, with about 30,000 people um, at a mass to celebrate 50 years of charismatic renewal yes, in the I church. Yes, I remember the year. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and so I was there, and I. And I talk about this in my book, I, in the book, I 
lost my friend in the crowd and I'm sort of like, well, where's my friend? I'm all alone. 30,000 people, mass is about to start. I'm looking around and I caught the eye of this lovely lady from Sierra Leone and just in her beautiful costume. And she sort of looked at me and beckoned me over. And, and I said, oh, I can't find my friend. And she looked at me and she said, you're my friend now, sit with me. <laughs> and it was just so beautiful and just gave me the sense of, you know, that the church universal, you know, yes. and that we're all part of the church and terrible things have happened, but the church will stand strong, you know. The gates of hell will never um, avail against us. And, uh, and at that moment, I made a decision that I will stand for my church and that I love my church. And oh, God bless you. Yeah. Amazing. Because the abuse is not the church, you know. That's except that's something else. And yes, I know, and I know people will say when they hear this, you know, how can you say that? And, and I'm not denying the terrible things that have happened. I'm not denying the hurt and the pain and the struggle of so many people. Um, but it, it hasn't, in, it can't negate my place as a Catholic, my case as a Christian, my place as a child of God. The very healing you experienced was through this very church through the church. That's right. That's where it happened. If I hadn't have had that relationship with Jesus, if I hadn't have known his love so intimately, mm. I doubt that I could have been on this journey. I doubt that I would be where I am now. Well, it's powerful. Uh, that's, that's what I really hope, you know, it's inspiring me for any, <laughs> you know, we, 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 we might let little, <laughs> little in, insignificant things get under our skin within the church, but <laughs> in the end, Ultimately, Christ is in charge, and yeah. and and it's not, it's not. Many people forget this, but the church isn't. Yes, it's got humans involved, and and humans sin and fall, and um, but when Jesus says, "I will build my church," it's not that he's building Peter's church or the Pope's church. It's Jesus's church. That's right. And we keep yeah. forgetting that fact that it's these are representatives of Christ. Yeah. It's Christ's church, not any individual priest or they are representative. Yes, members. Yes. But one man's sin doesn't, doesn't sort of, uh, you know, symbolise the whole church, as I said. No, it's damaging, but right. it's not the be-all, end-all, is it? There is no, something because when I receive the Eucharist, it's, it's Jesus and me. Yes. It's not necessarily the priest. Exactly. It's Jesus. Yeah. And he's giving me his very body. Yes. And um, so that's, that's, that's it. That's yeah. it, you know. And, uh, and I've been very blessed because, um, you know, I'm in a beautiful parish now, um, a very supportive parish. Uh, we have a beautiful community um, and, yeah, and we're growing all the time, you know. So it's not, you know, a Christian journey is not static. It needs to be vibrant and it needs yes. to be restored and renewed. And it's really important that that happens and just to be open to to changes and, and accepting change in the church and you yeah know, wow well god yeah. bless amazing and mm. and uh, you know blessings to you i mean i commend you for your courage to to go out uh and share this uh because you are going it's the next chapter now of your own story but it's going to be i imagine still uh emotional challenging but but you can witness to, to the love of christ here i'd love for you to have the, the closing um, sort of advice here. This book, 
what is the what is your hope for this book what what do you hope will the fruits of this book those who read it who would this be for mm. who, who should read this book and mm. um, what do you hope will happen uh, what fruits will bear from this yeah um, I just I just hope that through reading this people can understand um, the, the power of forgiveness, but also come to a deeper understanding of God's love and that God loves each one of us personally, intimately, and that they can come to know that love um, and come to know the calling of the church, you know, that the church is there to support them, to, to care for them and nurture them in their faith and that maybe you know, that maybe some people, because I have some meditations in the book, yes, and I'm hoping that beautiful. some people might be able to come to a point of forgiveness. Um, it may not be about abuse, it may be about something else, and, and it may be something that they've burdened themselves with all their lives, and this might be the time as they read my book to let go of that and, and, and come into that freedom that we've discussed, you know, that you can get when you forgive, when you let go, because, you know, um, it doesn't diminish in any way how severe the injury was. It doesn't diminish it, it doesn't take away from that, but it releases you from the burden that you've carried. And that's the beautiful thing, you know, it just releases you with the burden and you're just giving the person or whatever over to the, you know, just judicial system or for whatever to be, or to God to be judged. Um, and you just and you're free. It's just this freedom, a freedom that you receive. Yeah. Powerful. Amen. Yeah. I love the title, by the way. I think if more and more um, priests could preach on this, and more and more people understand the power, we say it in the Our Father all the time: mm. "Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us." Yes. And your that's title right. just nails it. Um, it comes down to how we forgive, and what a test you've. I mean. You were able to do that, and and the, and thank you for sharing the freedom that you've experienced, the peace that you've experienced, mm. and now the witness um, for the world. I really hope um, people out there who are listening to this or moved by this can get to that point where they can truly forgive their enemies and mm. forgive those mm. who have done harm by them, because ultimately there really is only one enemy, isn't there? It's not any human being. No, it's it's only the Satan himself. That's and, right. That's and, right. Uh, when we realise that, that helps put things in perspective. Yes, and look, I always say when I've um, run conferences or whatever yes. in the past, if one person's life is changed, then mm. it's all worth it. And I would say that now, if one person's life is changed by reading my book, then it's all worth it. Amen. Mm. I want to thank you so much for sharing, opening up about all this. It's, it's uh, not easy, but I, I, I pray that this book will touch many lives and that um, you will still be an instrument of God's love to those people uh, who, who you reach. And, and I, I can see the Lord working through you clearly. So um, thank you. Thank, thank you for you. doing this and God bless you. And, uh, this is only the beginning of the next chapter now. So it, let's, it is, that's let's, right. let's pray. Well, yes. th thanks Amen. a lot, uh, Joanna. Thank you. All right. God bless. That's another podcast. I hope you've been moved by this story as I have been. Um, as we forgive those, it's available now, uh, both in paperback and ebook. So go to our website, perusiamedia.com, and, and, and get a copy. And I hope it inspires you as it's inspired me. Um, until next time, have a blessed week. God bless. Mm -hmm.